Today is uh, the week before Memorial Day. Memorial Day weekend is coming up, and I am your host, Andrea Renee, and I'm joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. <clears throat> Hello. I was wondering if you were going to do it again this week. It's, it's a I little kind of. It's a little early, so I don't have the gusto, and you'd be like, "Hello," so it's keep <laughs> And uh, of course, we are also joined by Miss Christy Steimer. Hello. Good okay. yes, morning. I know, right? We're recording in the morning, and we don't normally do this because um, our schedule is a little out of whack this week because of the holiday weekend coming up and family plans and such. Hopefully, you guys are doing something cool with your family this weekend. Maybe playing games. Maybe going outside. Maybe playing games outside. while outside. <gasps> Nintendo <gasps> Switch. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> you can I'm switch. Glad it. We had the exact same thought. <laughs> So uh, this week, as you guys can see, if you're watching the video, Alexa Ray is not with us. She missed our first stream on Twitch earlier this week as well. She has been ill, and we are hoping for her speedy recovery. It looks like she is on her way out of this illness and will be able to join us next week. So apologies for her absence. She sends her regrets. She misses you all. She loves you all. And uh, she will be back next week. So that aside, I think it's time to get into some news. So the big news of the week, ladies, is probably that Red Dead Redemption 2 has been delayed until spring 2018. Surprising. Sad about this? Yeah, right? Uh, yeah. Of course, I'm so, extremely bummed. I think I mentioned this on the last podcast. Um, I can't get into Grand Theft Auto games just because the setting is too realistic. There's no escapism there for me. Uh, so Red Dead is the only game of Rockstars that I've really been able to get into. And I, it's one of those games that I only want to play once because I had my one experience with it. And I don't want to like recreate that. So I'm itching for more. So, of course, I'm very bummed. But... Not surprised. And insert cliche. Take all the time you need. Quote here. Yeah, for me, I'm. I'm not bummed. Um, I'm. I try to not be ever bummed when when a game gets delayed because to me, it's actually a positive thing. Like it's a positive thing that they recognized that they needed more time versus just shipping it out when they could have. They could have easily probably shipped it on that date and been fine. Sold millions. Um, right. Sold millions and. Um, patched it later you know which seems to be the trend so anytime anything gets delayed i'm like that's fine just maybe just stop telling us when you're planning on releasing games until you're like super duper sure yeah and then go for it and then announce the date but kind of like the bethesda model that they did with fallout 4 that's what i thought red dead was going for i thought i was like no red dead shouldn't get pushed because like i'm sure they've waited long enough to the point where it won't get delayed and because I I would have thought they were following the Bethesda Fallout model, um, but then nope. <laughs> so nope. I don't know. What about you, Andrea? What did you think of the? Um, well, I mean, 
I, I'm not surprised. The, this game is going to be massive, and massive open-world games come with a bevy of technical problems and issues that they have to solve. And, you know, we have seen a slew of open-world games released with bugs and, you know, broken quest lines and things like that. And I think no one wants a broken game, especially from Rockstar. Right. Um, not that they have a history of putting out broken games, but... I think we all agree that it's better for them to delay the game. And quite frankly, I was worried that it was going to dominate Game of the Year discussions in a year mm-hmm. that has so many fantastic games already released and we're not even to, you know, the holiday yet. And I think that if Red Dead had come out on top of that, having to have a, a conversation about Game of the Year that includes Zelda and Red Dead is just... <laughs> and Horizon! <laughs> Horizon. Don't count Horizon out! Right? No, or Horizon is definitely my you know, Game of the Year pick so far. But I, I think that it's good for everybody that it's getting pushed. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of their competition may be a little upset because I'm sure some people, some publishers may have altered their, you know, release date plans based off Red Dead but right. you know we'll we'll see how it goes um it will be um interesting to see if it actually hits that spring 2018 date so when it says spring 2018 are we thinking may next year like a year from now i would didn't think it march origin- didn't because- it originally release in may i think red dead may 18th was its release date and the only was reason it? i think i know that is because i have a display box in my woman cave of, uh, of the course you do red dead. Of course I'm going to say May 18th, calling it out. <laughs> one year anniversary, or not one year anniversary, but on the same year. Um, it's early. I'm like, where am I? Um, yeah, the brain's not quite functioning yet. No, brain is, brain is like trying to fire. So that we're trying to go, but I already forgot what I was going to say. But I'm That's, sure it so was really I'll, smart. Then I'll, then I'll move on. Uh, but before I do, real quick, what, did you see the screenshots? Oh. No. But I don't ever trust screenshots. <laughs> what is that noise? I don't trust screenshots. I think they're all bull shots. Uh, bull. Oh, yeah, I saw them and I get excited at screenshots. I'm one of those people. They look so pretty. I just know how easily, after working at many, many places in the industry, I know how unlikely it is for those screenshots to be representative of what you play in the game or what the game will actually look like. I don't care at this point. Just Debbie give me... Downer over here. <laughs> no! <laughs> I'm, over here I'm not like, being Downer, Downer. I'm just saying that it bothers... It's actually one of the things that really bothers me about the industry because I'm like, just... Your game is probably good enough where you don't need to do that and it just bugs me that it's so, such like a um, common practice. Did you hear the noise it, that emitted from my mouth because of these screenshots? That's what they're going for. I am a sucker and it works. And what I really like about the screenshots is it's making the game appear like there's going to be several protagonists instead of just. So I have my theory. Well, I got that from the fucking you. key art with there's like seven dudes. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So I have my ideas of where Dead Redemption 2 is going to go. And so if if it's going where I think it's going, this is very exciting. And just. just oh. I just want. I just want Dolores to be in this game. Yeah. Does anybody know who I'm referring to? No, I forgot. Anybody? I've not at this time of the morning. No. <laughs> no, you never watched Westworld. Oh, oh, yeah. I thought you were trying to make a reference back to Red Dead. What? I was like, no. I was I like, I, that, my brain can't I think that of anybody. When that key art originally was released about how I was disappointed that it was just a bunch of dude bros, and I was like, um, where's Dolores? Like, where's you know, where's Bonnie? villainous Bonnie. Bonnie. <laughs> yeah bonnie that works too um so speaking of rockstar news um another big milestone was reached by rockstar this week gta grand theft auto 5 
Worldwide sales have topped 80 million units. 80 million. Units. Let that number sink in for a second. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. (laughs) That's like almost a third of the population of the United States. (laughs) That's. Yeah. Yeah, it is. (laughs) That's crazy. Actually, it's probably more like a quarter, but like that's a lot of people. And that's just, you know, just the US, but worldwide, like that's a lot of units. Obviously, the um, highest selling game of all time now, I think. Or does Wii Sports still have that package? LOL. Uh, That doesn't even count. I mean, it does, but I think it's cheating. It's cheating, but that's Yeah, so for a standalone game, certainly, certainly the highest. And I think it's really quite impressive from the standpoint that if you look at NBA, NPD sales year over year since it's been released, it's still been in the top 10 selling games. And I think that's a testament to not only the amount of content that Rockstar put in the game at launch, but also the continued support that they've been giving to GTA Online, mm-hmm. despite the fact that they have not released a standalone single-player expansion, which has historically been something that we've seen in GTA games. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Where was where where, where did that go? <laughs> yeah, like, where's Liberty <laughs> City? You know? Like, where where's my that? Trevor DLC? What happened? <laughs> so you know, how is Grand Theft Auto Online? Just, is that, you think, is what people are coming back? back to or is it mostly to replay doing single player shenanigans oh it's not what i think it's what i know if you look at the amount of money that rockstar is making from microtransactions in gta online it's like hundreds of millions of dollars you can buy packs of the in-game currency um you know kind of like uh, dlc cards and that's really where they're continuing to make crazy amounts of profits is in gta online and um you know, people who are out there listening, you know, please leave us some comments and tell us if you guys are currently playing GTA Online. I know that they've been really good about doing special events, especially around holidays and things like that, and putting out, you know, costume packs and different kinds of weapons and cars and things like that, and really kind of enticing the community to continue making content. And of course, we're seeing all kinds of original content being made in GTA Online machinimas and things like that, um, which is always kind of fun to see how creative the community can get but um yeah it's um it's impressive so hats off to rockstar congrats on hitting that huge milestone uh well deserved it was not my personal favorite game um there are many other games that i enjoy playing but i have to give them props for the amazing work that they've done i loved uh, it i was like super duper into gta 5 which I, and uh, i'm not normally a gta person um like i tried playing four i didn't get that into it but for whatever reason, five, I was like, fuck yeah, let's go. Um, I used to get, I'm oh, sorry, I'm cutting you off. No, um, <laughs> I used to get weekly massages and my massage therapist, she wasn't a gamer <laughs> at all, but she loved Grand Theft Auto Online or is it Grand Theft Auto 5 Online? Is that t- the technical No, I think term? it's called GTA, oh, no, it's Online, GTA Online. Okay. Well, anyway, that's all she played. And so as soon as I mentioned that I played video games, she just wanted to talk nothing about Grand Theft Auto. So right here I am trying that's to get like, a relaxing massage and she's telling me about all the people she's killed all the prostitutes she's ran over. And I'm like, girl, that's, props to you, what? but this is not relaxing. <laughs> no, that's oh, actually, when, when you were, when Andrea, when you were like, this is a testament to how much content they made exactly. and how the quality of it. And I'm like, I think it's more a testament to how many people secretly want to murder a lot of people and also like steal cars and like just do bad shit. But they, yeah. <laughs> you can't do it. You want, you want like that therapeutic release of, I'm getting away Anger. with something that I shouldn't be able to do in real life. I think it's fun. But. No, I mean, uh, millions of people agree with you. Like, there's no disputing that. Millions of that people at all. are okay with virtual murder. 
<laughs> well, I think we all are if we play video games. <laughs> we right? all are. Suspe- suspension true. of disbelief. It's the fantasy of it all, folks. Yeah. Um, okay, so our next big news story, it's the Overwatch one-year anniversary event. Are either of you uh, playing Overwatch or celebrating these new skins and emotes that they've released? I have never played a round of Overwatch in my life. <gasps> Crickets. No. So, what, but oh, I'm, man. I think I know what we're doing for our next stream. Ooh, and actually, yeah, that'd be fun. I wanted to play when uh, I went to BlizzCon and I saw the Sombra final like release, right? Because I watch Overwatch's news, but I just don't play it. But I'm interested in the characters because I think they're cool. Um, and so when Sombra came out, I was like, oh, like I want to play as her. And then I never did. So I, yeah, I would really be down cool. to I like play. her hacking abilities. Yeah, I like being a hacker. And she seems well, cool. Well, shame on you. Um, I am not the <laughs> biggest Overwatch player, but I have played it. <laughs> um, but it's one of the games that I really want to get more into this year. Now that we're like a year in and the game is nice and polished and they've added all these kind of bells and whistles to it. I think now is a great time. Uh, Blizzard is discounting the Game of the Year edition. If you guys want to get in on it, I believe it is $39.99. I own the game. Um <laughs> I that's, have it. That's good. <laughs> it's on my PlayStation. I have it all downloaded and ready to go. Too. Like I've updated that shit. I just have never played it. <laughs> well, maybe we can get some some people to play with us when we when we stream it, and we can um, teach teach you the ways of, of Overwatch and how how you have to push the payload. Um, yes, I will happily that's, push that's the, the payload. Always push the payload. Um, so that is happening right now. Um, the uh, next story, well, I was going to talk about um, the new Far Cry 5 news that came out this week, but we might save that for the next block since I got to see a kind of behind-the-scenes look at that game. So instead, let's skip ahead to uh, Battlefield 1. adds new DLC, which is weird because the game's not out yet, <laughs> <laughs> but they're going to be having DLC um, featuring... What, what, why are you giving me that look? Oh, Battlefield 1. What am I thinking of? Am I thinking of Battlefront 2? I'm confused. There's a lot of battle. Like battles in the titles of games. Yeah. Well, I mean, just let me be wrong then. That's fine. Everything's fine. It's early. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Battlefield 1 is adding DLC featuring Russian female soldiers for multiplayer. Did you guys see this news? No, this is the one story I didn't get to click on. Oh my gosh, what am I paying you for? No, oh, wait, wait, we're not paying. Ah. Ah. <laughs> but okay, so this, um, so this story, um, it's about the women's battalion of death. It's Ooh. going to be a new scout class for the new Russian army. So, one of the big criticisms, um, for Battlefield's kind of diversity issue is that a lot of the soldiers that you play are like generic white dude. Um, they do have some people of color in the game, um, but they have very few women in the game. But so isn't this, 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 really this is the one that's historic, like more in the past, right? Because all the battlefields yeah, went together yeah. for me. World War One. So I so guess the women's battalion. Why would there be women? They did. They. Weren't... I'm going to tell you, Steimer. What? I'm going to tell you right okay, now. Good, you good. Sh- okay, good. Please do. Okay. What I'm saying is, shh, be quiet. Okay, so I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this from the um, from the little news insert here. 
It says that the Women's Battalion of Death was formed in 1917 as a desperate attempt by the Russian provisional government to inspire morale and support for the war effort. Although women had been serving in small numbers in the standard Russian army before this, some women pressured the government to create female-only units. Several of the resulting battalions were sent to the front lines to fight against Germany. Estimates of the number of women who fought range in the several thousands. Now, this isn't the first time that Battlefield 1 has featured relatively unknown and underrepresented units. Uh, The cover of the game and one of the chapters in its story highlight the Harlem Hellfighters, the first African-American regiment to serve with the American military during the war. In addition, the Nothing is Written chapter of the story features a playable female uh, Bedouin rebel. rebel. So that uh, news brief came from GameSpot, uh, just to give them uh, credit for that news story. Um, so this is um, this is kind of exciting for Battlefield fans that happen to be female, or if you're a male player and you've always wanted to play with a female Russian soldier. <laughs> can I we can. talk about how awesome their battalion names are? Like the <laughs> Death Brigade and the what was it like the Harlem something or other, like either the all Harlem Hellfighters. Yeah, I'm like those are so cool. Like I want to join those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I, I mean, I'm do quiet. you know? Do you really want to go to war and like risk your life? Not really, but on in the game, I'll do it in the game. <laughs> it's all about the role the role playing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't played Battlefield. And I've seen like the online uh, multiplayer battles and they looked really fun and actually did try my hand at one match and I got so destroyed and just my ego was exploded into a million pieces of death that I stepped away from it. But it is something I want to play. Um around the time Battlefield released, I played Infinite Warfare. That's the latest Call of Duty, right? Yeah. And so my shooter meter was totally <laughs> filled, so I passed on it. But it looks good. And now it's good to know I can play as a, a female Russian soldier. That's that is cool. Say. I actually I mean, I have. I, I just like the battlefields teaching me history because I did not know that there were female Russian soldiers who fought. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. That's all I got. Yeah. All right, then. <laughs> Well, um, for uh, the next news story, and then we'll take a quick break. We're gonna the segments are gonna be a little shorter this week um, because we don't have Alexa here, so we don't have as much uh, to talk about. But um, I want to mention about the first trailer for the Netflix Castlevania series. Who's uh, excited? You anime. too, probably. Uh, no, so. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is this is not like the week. This is not the week for Brit. I'm telling you because we're talking about like Overwatch and Battlefield and shooting games and pew pew pew, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge shooter, so I'm kind of like mum on that. And then Castlevania is a series I'm only familiar with because my grandma has played it ever since I was little. So I've watched her play. That GG, season. Grandma. No, she's she's incredible. She's way cooler than I am. Uh, I'm interested in it because it is anime. However, I am not familiar with the Castlevania series to a cer- to enough where I can be like, oh my god, I'm excited Belmonts. for this and the other. Yeah. I know about Belmonts. They exist. They do stuff. Yeah. They kill Dracula? Question mark. That Netflix is really <laughs> embracing this audience. Um, you know, we've seen them really go down that kind of comic book alley with a lot of the series that they've done and, and things like that. And we obviously talked about the Witcher series that they're doing based on the novels. Right. And, um, I think it's great. I think that they're recognizing the people who are buying Netflix subscriptions and saying, hey, we should maybe cater to these people. And this mm-hmm. is a great way to do so. Cater so. to the nerds. Exactly. Give us what we want. Nerds shall rise. What we really, really want. 
<laughs> Are you trying to sing some Spice Girls right now? A little bit. A little bit. I could get behind that. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, we're going to take a quick break here. And then when we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about the Lawbreakers announcement, some Dragon Age news, and of course, that Far Cry 5 news as well. Welcome back, everybody. We are in the second block of the show. Now, normally, this is where we would do our hands-on portion of the show. But because we are ramping up to E3, there is so much news to talk about. So we are going to keep rolling on with some more news stories. And uh, I want to start this block out with Dragon Age. We've got some news. It's not much, but it's something. something. So um, the writer at Bioware has confirmed a new Dragon Age is in development. I have to say that this news didn't shock me. Of course, a new no. Dragon Age is in development, yeah. right? Like it better Inquisition be after won what they a left bunch us of with. Game of the Year awards. <laughs> like it's not <laughs> shocking to have Bioware and EA are once again working on another Dragon Age. But Brittany, I know that you kind of peed your pants over this. I did. Um, like you said, not surprising at all. But even just like the mere thoughts of a new Dragon Age just gets me all sorts of hot and bothered. What is interesting about this is that the writer. Um, said that he is being brought on to explore lore of Dragon Age that hasn't really been touched upon. Now, the Dragon Age lore is huge and expansive, and it's, I think, more interesting than our real history. That's just terrible, but I think it is. So there's a lot of different avenues that this could be going, and so it's fun to think about, but it's just all speculative at this point. You can't even really make any educated guesses. Speculate, Britt. Speculate. What you you thinking? Uh, I'm wondering if it's gonna if he's gonna dive deeper into um, the Elven lore, like Solus and all of okay, those so people's backstories. Do we need to preface this with a spoiler warning? Sure. Well, the game came out, you know, a couple years ago. But if you have not yet finished Dragon Age Inquisition and the DLC Trespasser, um, so <laughs> if you are planning to go back and play that and you don't want to hear any potential story spoilers, you may want to just skip ahead to the next block. I mean, we will be talking about some other things in this block, but I don't know when this section will be over. So if you want to avoid it altogether, you can skip ahead. Otherwise, stay with us and hear some speculation about the next Dragon Age. Yeah. Begin spoilers. Okay, yeah, totally. I th- So I think Dragon Age 4 is going to definitely explore the whole Elven clusterfuck that was revealed to be a thing in Dragon Age Inquisition. But that said, I feel like that's something Bioware would tackle head on themselves. I don't think they would bring on an Mm. outside writer to talk about that. True. Yeah. But wait, so, okay. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, you don't But they might want like a new perspective. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You don't think bringing in a fresh pair of eyes and, you know, somebody who's got like an interesting take on the on the lore might not help kind of reinvigorate the series. Not that it was like lagging in any way, but no, it's not lagging and it is going in a different direction than I think no one saw coming. Um, I, I think bringing on a writer to for extra eyes is totally a thing that could be a thing. But but I think Bioware definitely has this set in stone, like where they're going to take this whole elven direwolf shenanigans that were revealed in Trespasser. And maybe this writer will just be a little like 
I don't know why I say side piece a lot on this show, but that's kind of like <laughs> what I'm coming with. I think it'll just be a little a side piece, but I'm pretty sure Bioware will be handling the because that's kind of the main chunk of Dragon Age lore right now, right, Christine? Like that's what they're focusing on. It better be. Well, you can't just be. leave it like that. I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> you can't do that to me. You already did that shitty soulless romance that just rips your heart out and stomps on it. That was terrible. You got to give really us bad. some answers. Yeah. What is, so yeah. not too much really to like, unless we want to speculate till our eyeballs pop out. But it is exciting and it is interesting that they did bring on a writer for some fresh perspective on something. But also uh, like David Gator, he left. So they, they kind of needed to, like, fill fill the void a little bit with someone. Is that this person? Uh, yes, I, no, I don't maybe? Know. It, from what I got from reading the article, it sounds like he's talk, he's more of a, a, a minor role. I'm thinking, like, okay. maybe, like, like a, a consultant. A side, like a very, yeah, yeah. yeah kind I of like how you're running the side piece again. Like, he's like a <laughs> side piece. <laughs> a side piece. I think he'll be talking more of a smaller side <laughs> quest-y kind of lore, but not, like, the main chunk okay chunk of meat okay yeah well maybe he'll bring back sandal because that was missing (laughs) (laughs) oh shit we need to have a dragon age podcast where is my enchantments (laughs) we saw a journal but that was it i was sad that was it did you like inquisition andrea i loved it i played a lot of inquisition um it was such a beautiful world. I remember taking lots of screenshots and sharing them on Twitter because I just loved the environments that they created. And um, the story was was great. And obviously the gameplay was super addictive. Um, I loved the dynamic of being able to swap out your squad mates and, you know, the kind of almost RTS-y, you know, mm-hmm. top-down uh, mechanic that they introduced. It has an official name, and I can't remember what it is, the combat system. Um, but yeah, I really I really enjoyed Inquisition. I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing another Dragon Age, but I, I can't imagine it's coming anytime before 2019. No, no, no. No, it'll be no a way. little while, but... No, and then it'll get delayed, like it did last time, so it's not coming for a while, but that's okay. That's okay. In it's the meantime, still, it's if you need to speculate... You can wait, and if you need your lore fix, there are tons of novels, comics, everything. Fan fiction. Fan fiction. Well, official lore. But yeah, there's good stuff (gasps) out there. Get your fix. Exactly. Okay, so moving on to our next story. Lawbreakers. So they have announced that they will be coming to PS4. So this is the game that's being developed by Bosky, and Bosky is Clifford Blazinski's studio. Yep of um unreal tournament fame he also is one of the guys behind gears of war used to work at epic jazz the uh, jackrabbit branched off yep. on his own and he decided to start his own studio and he is making this kind of fast-paced i don't necessarily want to call it an arena shooter but it does feel like a a, a traditional like arena shooter but the whole kind of uh hook for this game is that there's no gravity and so a lot of the mechanics are based on movement have either of you gotten a chance to play this yet? No. Uh, packs or in one of the betas or anything? Mm-mm. So it's a really interesting game. They have some cool classes. They have some really interesting character design. Um, I haven't played it recently. I know that uh, I haven't played it since like the closed alpha. So I know that they've made quite a few changes since then. Um, but I think it's great that it's coming to console. Originally, I, I believe when the game was first announced, they had talked about a free-to-play model since Nexon was publishing. Yeah. But now they've announced that the game will be twenty nine ninety nine. And uh, no doubt there will be some kind of micro microtransactions involved, but I don't believe they're talking about that economy just yet. Um, but I thought this was interesting. I think, um, you know, obviously 
Clifford has a lot of history in the shooter realm, and it'll be interesting to see how this does. There are certainly a lot of competition in the shooting space, um, but I think what he's doing has a nice little twist on it, and hopefully we'll be able to get some hands-on with it soon. Um, I'm not sure if they're coming to E3. I have to imagine that they are, Mm -hmm. but uh, we'll reach out to them and see if we can... uh, Get some playtesting time and tell you guys a little bit more about it. But uh, yeah, that's a a news story for this week. But the big news story that we talked about last week that I actually got to see some details on is Far Cry 5. So we speculated, based off some leaks that we heard, that Far Cry was going to be set in Montana. And it indeed is set in a place called Hope County, Montana. That's not ominous at all. Yeah, right? (laughs) Sounds like a delightful place to live. Did you guys see the key art? Yes. <laughs> yes. So what are your thoughts on this uh, on this key art? No, it's so uh, it's it's it crazy. It's freaking crazy. You have all these crazy white dudes with like one white lady and they all look like they're not very nice people. And I'm looking at the key art and I'm like, I wonder if this could almost turn now, Andrea, I know you have more information, so I might be totally off base here, but I wonder if this could almost turn into a horror, a slight horror type of film. Like if you have these crazy oh, dudes absolutely. chasing you, you know, yeah. you thinking like yeah. the hills have eyes. And I'm very interested in it. And I know I said last time the exotic locations of Far Cry and the maps are too large and I lose interest. But this one looks I'm very, very intrigued. Yeah, I'm so interested, too, because I I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, you go ahead. I'll, I'm just going to describe the key art after you're done. Oh, no, no, just go for it now. It's fine. Okay, so for people who have not seen the key art, and if you're listening, um, what it is is um, historically Far Cry always puts their wacky villains on their box art. So this is no different. Um, It is a blue sky set on like a mountain background, like looks like some kind of a valley. There's a church in the background. And there's a table and um, in the foreground, and over the table is kind of like an American flag. But instead of stars, there's like a a unique icon in place of the stars on the stars and stripes of the American flag. And in the center of the table, there's a white man with a beard um, kind of making this Jesus-like pose. And he's got a book, which we can maybe presume is the Bible, open in front of him. And he's got guns on the table, guns on the floor. Um, and he's got... Um, people to the left and to the right of him, they're all pretty much holding some kind of weapon or some kind of gun. There is a wolf, it looks like. With, like, blood on its face, right? Yeah, blood or some kind of um, marking, like, maybe, like, war paint kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And then um, on the floor in front of the table, there is another man, another white man, who's got his hands, like, cuffed behind his back, and he's got the word sinner it looks like it's been carved into his back because it's bleeding. It's either been carved or tattooed um, into his back. And so it's it's a really kind of polarizing image mm-hmm. um, when you think about it in the context of it being set in Montana. And I think, you know, some people might be, you know, put off by this. But from what I've seen the reaction online, a lot of people are really excited about the prospect of Ubisoft really going there and really going to a real place 
um, that kind of strikes home with where we as Americans are at today with this kind of divide that's happening in our country. And what's interesting about this um, key art is that even though it kind of echoes some of the things that are happening in today's world, if you kind of relate it to what happened at the standoff in Oregon, where, you know, right. a group of yeah. white men with guns like held off, you know, um, police and federal officials for 41 days, I think it was. It was um, a long time, yeah. Yeah. So like, it's interesting to uh, paint it against a modern uh, backdrop, but I had the chance to speak to uh, the creative lead on this game and what he told me was that it actually the genesis for this game came from his experience that he had in the 80s uh the 1980s when america was kind of on the edge of the cold war with Mm. russia and it kind of led to like a heightening of um of emotion where people around the country were really nervous like everything was kind of getting bottled up it was almost like on the edge of you know an all-out revolution or catastrophe or war whatever was going to happen people were wound up it was kind of the emotion that they're going for and luckily the collapse of the berlin wall happened and that kind of like released all the pressure like this worldwide anxiety over what was happening with the cold war kind of came to this precipice and then you know the berlin wall coming down really kind of eased a lot of that pressure and kind of backed off off the ledge and that was kind of the um inspiration for this title which i thought was really kind of fascinating yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't have thought that from from the key art i would have thought like i don't know we watched deliverance or something and then we thought it would be we would just amp it up a bit and like (laughs) well i mean it's definitely hard to tell clearly they've brought it into a modern era um even though you know that period of the 1980s was kind of the genesis for this um and they said that the kind of theme of this family um, is freedom, faith, and firearms, which you definitely can get from this definitely you triple F. So it gives um, me a, a cult vibe, and yeah. I don't know if they've talked about this because the fact that you know it is in Montana, there is like this church in the background with a few American flags, and the guy ha- is cuffed, and it says "sinner" on his back. Makes me think he did something like try to leave, try to lead a normal life, and they're like, "No, you're awful." That's I did that or like no, somebody got you lost and like wound up in Hope County and didn't mean to and said the wrong thing and ended up like that. It is cult though, right? Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. So they yeah. confirmed that it that it is a that it is a cult. And the guy in the middle um is Joseph. He is the father figure of the of the cult. Um the guy I believe to his left is Jacob, which is his oldest son or his oldest brother um i can't remember if it's his son or his brother i haven't written down my notes oldest but i didn't say what oldest good job andrea (laughs) um and then there's john and then there's faith uh the woman in the key art is his half sister and so they kind of have this family dynamic going and obviously religion is going to play a big key part of this and the kind of backdrop for this is that they run this the section of the um um of the montana wilderness montana yeah Yeah. exactly and um we also got to see some 
small pieces of key art of some of the resistance because mm-hmm. whenever obviously there's a bad guy there's a good guy who's facing off against him which right. ultimately i think will be the character that we end up playing but historically in far cry games i mean the protagonist doesn't really have too much of a of a backstory at least at least for me like the the narrative has always been about the villain yeah um, or has always really been focused on who this villain is and taking down the villain like while you always do have a backstory as the protagonist i always felt like it's pretty my minimal interest in the story was more about you know the opposition yeah but there are some allies which is cool they named a couple allies for us uh there was one named pastor jerome um who is a African-American pastor who was part of the resistance. There is a woman named uh, Mary May. She runs one of the local watering holes, like a, a local bar, and she's lived in Hope County her whole life, and she doesn't like how this cult is kind of taking over the town and kind of ruining everybody's lives that's lived there. And then there's a guy named Nick Rye, who's like a, a he owns a crop testing company. And so he's got some really cool airplanes that he like outfits for you with special guns and things like that. So of course, Far Cry means guns. It means vehicles. It means open world exploration. And there is no shortage of that. So the the little brief clip that they showed us, they didn't show us too much gameplay. But what we did get to see um, is that you will be able to do some really cool things. Like um, animals, of course, are a big part of Far Cry as well. So I expect (laughs) hunting to return. Hunting to return. But they have, um, there's these specific breed of dog that they put in the game. And um, are they hybrids? Or maybe it's it's wolves. Wolf hybrid. um, you can um, kind of take them over, kind of like you could in Far Cry Primal, and then they can fight for oh, you. Oh, yeah. Cool. I was about to say, when you were like, here are your allies, I want to be like, do I get a wolf? <laughs> they yeah, have a wolf, I allies. want a wolf. Like, <laughs> do we know anything about the main protagonist? No, not okay. yet. They didn't really talk about them at all. I suspect we're going to see uh, a lot more about Far Cry 5 on stage at the Ubisoft press conference at E3, which, yeah. of course, is just a few weeks away. Um, but this is a nice little teaser, and I think it's interesting. I think it's a, you know a nice direction for them to take to say, hey, you know, we're going to put this in America. We're not going to set this in a third world country, and to kind of make the parallels that some of the things that are happening in America mm-hmm. can happen in other parts of the world. And, you know, we're... As Americans, we're not immune to these crazy things happening, you know? Um, And I like Far Cry a lot, so I'm interested to see what they're going to do. I really do hope they make some tweaks to their open world formula because it does kind of get a little repetitive yeah mm-hmm. um i remember i was watching some of the comments when the far cry uh five key art was released and people were saying well how are they going to handle like the mass murdering of americans that you're going to have to do in this game because in every far cry game you clearly murder like thousands of people well, why is it okay to murder other types of people but not americans that's a great question. <laughs> that's a great question. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that's something, you know, that people will have to kind of reckon with and say, well, you know, why is it okay to murder, you know, these other people? And I think the way that we've looked at some of the enemies in Far Cry before is that they've been, you know, war criminals or gangsters or, you know, um, dangerous tribal people and it's it's never really maybe crossed people's mind maybe this is just hitting home for some people in a really real way and so that it makes it feel a little less fantasy and a little bit more reality i think i think it's cool and i think it's awesome and i'm super 
stoked that Ubisoft is taking this this leap because I feel like this could offend a lot of people and it also but it's also like you said parallel to kind of what we're going through right now and i'm curious to know how long this game has been in development like i was did, actually wondering that too yeah three years three years okay okay no yeah I'm, I'm, i know said. and they know that they're gonna that some shit storm is gonna brew up from this but i think that's great that they know that and they're willing to take it on and deal with it because yeah it's why why not america why can't we kill american ai so we can and we yeah. will. We can Ubisoft. and we will. <laughs> yes. It's exciting. Yeah, Blood like, will be shed. For, I was not, like, last week uh, when we were talking about Far Cry, I was like, eh, I don't really know. Like, I'm not, not like, champing at the bit for it, right? Um, but actually, after this stuff, I'm way more interested yeah. because I am glad that they seem to be taking some sort of risk with the story and the plot. And it's a world that, it, I mean, it, is, it does seem real. And uh, I don't know. I'm like, I'm like, okay. Like, I'm actually more into this than I thought I would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I Like you said, Andrea, would like to see them tweak their open world stuff a little bit because I really hate having to Just redo camps all the time. Of icons off the map for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. Oh <my> <laughs> um, but otherwise, I think this story might be way more. I didn't find Far Cry 4's story to be like that interesting. Um, but I think this one might might be more, well, see more juicy. If I can finish it, that's the true test. Yeah, that's, yeah. Although I did like how in end. Far Cry 4, um, like, if you just sat there and waited, <laughs> the game was over. <laughs> like, the, have you guys ever done that? No. I've watched the video of other people doing it. Yeah, if you just sit and, the end, at the no very patience. beginning of Far Cry 4, I don't know how, I can't remember how long it is. Uh, essentially, the game ends, like, because the whole premise behind oh, it is, like, he's there to give you something, and if you just really sit there and wait... He does actually give you the thing, and then you go home. Like it's like the whole game can be skipped, which I thought was funny. But. Yeah, no, it's a it's a nice little kind of Easter egg, but I mean, yeah. it defeats the purpose of playing the game, right? You don't <laughs> you don't pay sixty dollars to do that for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so that'll wrap up our second segment. Um, when we come back for segment number three, I have a little bit of news about uh, the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy to talk about. And then uh, we will also be discussing the new Uncharted movie casting pick and uh, maybe some other stuff as well. So stick with us, guys. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. So we are in the grab bag section, and this week we're talking about a little of this, a little of that. Um, Activision put on an event this week uh, showcasing Crash Bandicoot, the Insane Trilogy, and this week they showed off levels, three different levels from uh, Warped, which is the third Crash Bandicoot game in that trilogy. Did either of you play Crash Bandicoot back in the day? I played it in Uncharted. i i played it a little bit because i was kind of into platformers but around that time that i got my playstation i had discovered jrpgs and that was Mm. kind of what consumed my life but the first like several levels i was really good at and then i was like "Eh, i got final fantasy and that was kind of my experience you were like i don't need this weird 
like, I don't need rodent, this, ha- like, this rodent, yeah. this giant hamster. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like a good big hamster. I know he's not, but. <gasps> so they showed off um, three levels, two on foot levels, double header and gone tomorrow, and then um, orange asphalt. So if you guys are familiar with the game, um, you can check out some of those gameplay clips that um, will be going up. Uh, so what's cool about this, I, I got to talk to um, the project lead at um, Vicarious Visions, which is the company that kind of took over the remastering of these games and the like re-illustration and everything that they've done. So they, if you guys saw at PSX, they, you know, debuted some gameplay footage and it, it really does look impressive what they've been able to do with this game footage. So hats off to the team there for really making it look great. Um, and I kind of talk, had a chance to talk to him about some of the changes that they've been making. And they told me that they really want to focus on making this a true remaster and not changing too much of the core experience. But obviously they fixed bugs and things like that that appeared in the original games. And they did add a couple of things. So if you guys are interested in picking this up, it comes out on June 30th, so next month, very oh. very soon. Um, and it's... Um, some of the things that they are going to be revamping is um, they've remastered um, or they've revamped the communication on the boss fights to make them more approachable to new players. So if you guys played some of the original ones, there's a couple of the boss fights that were almost, I don't want to say impossible, but very difficult to figure out like how to actually beat the boss. Mm. Um, and this was obviously before you could like look it up Google, online, like, yeah, walk exactly. <laughs> which is something now they've added. Today. Now it's easy mode. Oh, this is bullshit. No, well, kidding. you know, listen, <laughs> you don't have to look up walkthroughs if you don't want to. If no, you I meant if they, they've, te- they've added like clearer boss communication. I'm sure someone out there is like, no. Well, what he told me, what he told me is that in their play test, if they, when they put it into the hands of players who never played the original games, they said that some of these players just were never able to progress because they couldn't figure out. Yes, because everybody do. wants the game to hold their hand. I don't know why I'm being like aggro gamer. Yeah, today. damn. Yeah, just, what's going it's on? Not girl? Even, I'm just like playing the role. Like I'm just like this is what playing I don't know. Role. I am playing. The no, role, I mean I don't no, feel that, that way. That but I'm like exists. I'm sure Those someone else that feel that way. It's the internet. <laughs> yes. Well, you don't have to take the hints, but they did add in hints for new players on the load screens for upcoming levels as well. They didn't want to give away too much, but they recognized that there were certain parts of the games that were really challenging. And so they did add a couple hints for people. Um, they also uh, unified the pause menu system and the save system is also unified. So if you guys ever had troubles with that um, and because they had the benefit of hindsight, uh, because they're remastering, uh, they were also able to communicate things like how many crates there are in the level and um, apply that to all of the titles instead of just some of the titles. Um, And they said that, um, ironically, the first game was the most difficult to remaster, even though its moveset was the simplest. Uh, because the uh, it was the most I don't want to say primitive that's probably not the right word <laughs> but um, it was obviously the oldest and so it required the most amount of work but um, I think the game looks good I haven't gotten a chance to uh, play it recently but hopefully we'll get some hands on at E3 it will be there um, and so we'll be able to uh, maybe bring you guys some more news but I just wanted to give you guys a little update on that since um, Activision put out some new info about Crash Bandicoot Um that's really cool. I, I wonder how out. many new players that game is going to attract. Like children. Everybody who played Uncharted. They're going to be like, oh. That, it's Uncharted the game from Uncharted. Solely responsible for the Crash Bandicoot sales. Uh, 
But no, I'm curious. Like, I wonder how many kids are going to, you know, discover Crash for the first time and be completely turned on to it. Kind of like yeah. proud parent, you know, when your child plays oh, Mario sure. for the first time. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I grew up with that. I think I'm going to buy this for you. It. I think I'm going to play Crash because it is a game I wish I could have gotten into more growing up. But again, because of Final Fantasy and the wondrous game that it is, I kind of ignored it. But there is something that I always I always want to play Crash. Like if people are playing it or they're talking about it, I get like a warm, fuzzy, nostalgic feeling. Yeah. So this is exciting. I think I'd rather do this than plug in my PlayStation again. So I think you're gonna have to well, plug in out. your PlayStation to. Oh, you mean your PlayStation one? Uh, you mean oh, you have one? Got it. I have like four. Oh Come my on. god! Get on my level. Anyway, I, I yeah, don't. I don't. Geez, I don't want to be on your level. I don't have room for all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do, and it's not good. Anyway. <laughs> no, okay. So one of the other things that we wanted to talk about in this segment. Um, is the casting that was announced for the Uncharted movie. So mm. Tom Holland will play young Nathan Drake. So Tom Holland uh, was the Spider-Man Homecoming star, and um, he is slated to star in the upcoming Uncharted film. Uh, so this is a role, according to Deadline, that is based on a sequence in Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception, mm-hmm. turning the film oh. into a prequel to the game series as opposed to the straightforward adaptation that was originally planned. I didn't so, see that coming. Did you guys? No. No, I didn't. I think everyone was yeah. holding out hope that Nathan Fillion was going to get cast as... Uh, he's, too, <laughs> yeah. he's too old. I mean, he I is. love him. He's, he's great, he's but yeah. he is. Um, no, I think there's a lot of potential in that. That's a really... Uh, now, I say this because as a huge fan of the Uncharted series, to me, that was a very fascinating sequence to see how Nate met Sully for the first time and to know all right. the adventures that they've gone on together. Um, but I wonder how appealing that's going to be to people who aren't necessarily fans of Uncharted. But, I mean, it's basically just character backstory, right? So Right. It, it's not like you have to be a fan of Uncharted in order to want to know the backstory of a character you don't know. Like, every movies do this. It's not No, unusual. that's true. I guess what I was thinking was it'd be more like a hate me indiana jones kind of like ooh, action adventure oh temple crawling and dungeon crawling uh, like to me i feel like that'd be an easier sale than mm, um see. than hey here's this like here's like a serious story who's a thief <laughs> and he meets this old man and they go on adventures together i mean it could be good i'm not a super big film buff so i but just my first initial thoughts yeah yeah i could see that yeah. I, for me i'm Granted, I haven't seen Tom Holland do anything other than be Spider-Man, so I don't really know. But to me, I'm like, he, he does awkward too well. And not that, not that young Nathan Drake isn't awkward, but I always think of like Nate having like that bit of charm to him. He's, even, when he's, even when he's young, um, he's just not as charming as he is when he's older. Um, so I don't know. For me, I'm like, I don't know about that guy, but maybe he'll be fine. I don't know. Yeah. You never really know, right? Well, I think every, give everyone the benefit of the doubt. That according to the story, um, the Sony Pictures chairman, Tom Rothman, came away so impressed after seeing Holland in Homecoming that he saw fit to change the scope of the film. I think that that's oh, really yeah. says a lot um, and hopefully will inspire confidence in you know the community who loves the Uncharted series to say, well, if this chairman was so impressed with his role, I mean, I, you know, I never saw it. Is that movie? Has that movie come out? Am I don't I even. Crazy? I don't even know. <laughs> I didn't um, even know who he was before this. Um, <laughs> and that they've changed the entire scope of the film. 
I think it's interesting. I, I personally am a little disappointed that they're focusing on young Nathan Drake and not him in like the middle of his treasure hunting prime because I think that that would make for a far more interesting story. But I also am like familiar with the franchise and right. the story behind that. But maybe they thought that to get the broader audience who maybe hasn't played these games interested, they would have to start at the beginning. It also gives them runway, right, to right. grow the franchise if it is successful, which hopefully it is. That to be able to do, you know, many uh, follow-up sequels and things like that. Um, and hopefully it can continue to make to make more movies because <laughs> I had high hopes for the Assassin's Creed movie. Mm. You did? Why? I did, of course. Fassbender? Yeah. Like Fassbender. <laughs> and He's also high. like the, the, the rich lore and the narratives behind the Assassin's Creed franchise have so much potential to make for great movies. I mean, they really do. I, I love the Assassin's Creed series and, the, you know, between, you know, all the comics and all the extra um, literature that's out there surrounding that franchise, there was so much that they could draw from. And it was just really like, I think what they tried to do is cram too much into too short of a timeline. Yeah. And so it just ended up kind of falling flat. And that was disappointing. I'm going to come out with the cynic in me, which says that... I think the cynic's been out all all podcasts, all podcasts, Amy. This is apparently... (laughs) I'm very salty in the morning. I don't know why. Uh, (laughs) So I know that movie stars can sign deals with uh, with studios. So what? Sony. Sony does Spider-Man's bonus. Sony's doing this movie. So, of course, the casting or the chairman's like, oh, just after seeing how wonderful he was, we decided to make the role bigger. But part of me is like, mm, is that just PR speak for we had, had him signed we, we had him signed on. Like, he needs to do three movies. This is going to be one of them. And therefore, in order for it to count, he needs a bigger role. Um. Anyway, so yeah, so yeah, okay, I'm glad Brittany also had this thought. Well, my thought was more along the lines of, is that just like a clever way of saying we had no idea where the fuck this movie was going? Well, that too. Yeah, And that's the other thing, the other part of me, the cynic in me is, like, I know that Neil's not really involved in this, or anybody from Naughty Dog doesn't really seem to be involved in this. Um, So that has me worried. Now, if they're literally just remaking the game story i think it's a little bit odd i I don't know for me as a fan i'm like do i need to see i've seen it like you know like i know what it is i'll go support maybe if it turns out to be good just you'll support it just to encourage them to do more and to do them right um but at the end of the day it's kind of weird just being like we're gonna do the exact same thing but the Uncharted games in themselves are very cinematic. They're essentially right. playable movies. And I feel like it'd be really, really hard to screw up an Uncharted movie. I mean, I've said that about mm. a lot of other game franchises to movies. But I yeah. feel like with Assassin's Creed, you know, there's a lot of backstory and a lot of things that make that world so rich and in, and you get invested in it. But with the Uncharted movie, it's there's really not a lot there. It's just kind of like really charming, handsome man <laughs> is a treasure hunter and he has some really likable friends and they go on Uncharted's more focused than yeah, Assassin's yeah, yeah. So Creed. I have high hopes. I have high hopes for the Uncharted film. Yeah. All right. Well, we will have to wait and see dun, when dun, this dun. movie eventually comes out in like 2020 or yeah, like, <laughs> if this <laughs> ever sees the light of day. It's been such a long development road for this. Yeah, indeed. Well, that'll be do it for the grab bag segment for this week. Uh, when we come back in off topic, 
This week in Off Topic, we're going to talk about some books that we're reading. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Everybody, this is the fourth segment of the show, Off Topic. Before we get into what books we're reading right now, I want to just do a quick PSA. So, friend of the show, Take This, um, founded by Russ Pitts and Susan, the lovelies. Um, they are doing an AFK room at Momocon this weekend. So if you guys are planning to attend the convention in Atlanta and you need to take a little break from the con, um, they are there for you. So Take This is a mental health charity that focuses on awareness about mental health. So if you ever have issues with anxiety or depression or suicidal thoughts and you need someone to talk to, um, the AFK room is always there for you with a licensed clinician ready to talk whenever you are ready or if maybe you just need to take a little break and from the con and just sit down and have some quiet it's a great place to do that as well and if you guys ever have any questions or issues or if you know someone um, don't ever be afraid to reach out for help uh, take this is always there for you you guys can find more information about them at takethis.org okay so ladies yeah, we decided yeah. in this week's off topic, we were going to talk about some of the books we're reading. Um, mm-hmm. So I found out that, Britt, you like reading zombie novels. That's <laughs> awesome and unexpected. So what are you reading right now? Unexpected. Do you I was going to say unexpected. I think it's <laughs> no, pretty I mean, expected. Like, I, I think unexpected for me because I'm such like a, a diehard like sci-fi and fantasy lit person. Sure, I just, sure. I guess I just didn't consider that zombie novels were a thing, but of mm-hmm. course they are. Girl, yeah. I need to open your world and open your life. Yeah, I love I love reading. I've always loved it. But, um, you know, as we become adults, our lives get very busy. So I've kind of limited myself to zombie novels just because I get the most pleasure from them. So right now I am reading a series for like the third time. There are five uh, books in it total and it's called Day by Day Armageddon. It is by author J.L. Bourne. And like all zombie media mediums, it follows a man or in this case, it's a man. And there is a zombie outbreak in China and it is quickly spreading to his house in Texas and It's written from the perspective of a diary. So it's January 1st when the novel begins and he has received a diary. And as part of his um, mental health, he has been told that he needs to write in the diary every day. So you follow him uh, over the course of, like I said, five novels from Outbreak onward. I don't I can't say anything because it's uh, very anything I would say would be very spoilery. But if you enjoy zombie novel and survival and any of that kind of stuff, it's fantastic. The guy actually wrote it on um, before he published the novel itself, he was posting in an online forum. And so every like five minutes or so, he'd be updating the forum and it caught on so amazingly that he was like, hey, I'm going to turn this into a novel. And that's kind of how it started. That's pretty cool. It's really good. Interesting. What's the name of the series again? Day by Day Armageddon is the first one by J.L. Bourne. J.L. Bourne. So it's really all just from his perspective. There's no like multiple character diary entries. Just no, him. but he, he does meet a lot of people along the way. They come and they go. Um, 
and it's cool because it is in diary format. So sometimes he'll post like there'll be like a picture of the map in there that he's talking about or like a coffee stain on one of the pages. So it looks like it's this real diary. It's really neat. Would recommend. So I wonder. Does it get, oh, go ahead. Does it get gruesome at all? Like, is it? Oh, like yeah. Gory? Yeah. So it's because he writes it all like in the past. So he'll be like, OK, so yesterday I had this, that and the other. But he'll leave off. He'll end off chapters like, OK, so I'm going to go try to pull off this huge heist. There's a bunch of armed soldiers there because, you know, in zombie outbreaks, it's always turns into people against people, which is just stupid. It is and then stupid. he starts. And then he'll start the next chapter be like, I'm barely alive. I'm super bloody. But somehow I found the time to write in the diary. But even yeah, right? though, yeah, even though if you can look past that, it's very suspenseful, very gruesome. It's good. Very good. Just Do you it. think that there would ever be or would you ever want? Because when you're talking about a diary, it's very much from one person's perspective, mm-hmm. which obviously is very biased, right, at some point. So I'm wondering, like, do you think he would ever do a novel, same set, like same area, but like from one other character's perspective? Like, would that be something that would be interesting to you as a fan of this book? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's more of his writing style than anything in the world and the universe he's built. Um, very thorough. And yeah, absolutely. Ooh. Yeah. What about you, Stammer? Stammer. Yeah. What are you reading? Um, well, what I typically read are, are fantasy novels, like not necessarily high fantasy, but I, I don't really read real books, like real <laughs> things what that? for the what most part. What does that mean? What? What is what do you mean real books? I mean like nonfiction. Right. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I read fiction over mm-hmm. nonfiction. Like I don't That's usually real. read about real subjects, is what I'm trying to say. Ah. Um except the book I'm reading right now, which is called The Confidence Game, and it is about the psychology of con artists and how all of us, no matter how smart you think you are, are susceptible to being conned and it's just all a matter of like what's going on in your life what's going on that day with you in your emotional state it also depends on like how what the con is so if you have so say you're in real estate and you like you think you know a lot about that subject that's actually the area you are most likely to be conned in so it's just kind of fascinating to to read about um the things you think you're smarter than, right? And you know, and then the, the book's like, no, you're not. Like, you're really not. It could be anybody. You could be conned tomorrow out of like $20,000. And you're always like, that, that would never be me. Because there's examples in the book of like this woman who had, you know, she has three kids. She has to feed and, you know, she's a single mom and she just lost her job. And yet at some point she gets conned by a psychic to give up $27,000. And you're like, who would ever do that? But the huh. book's trying. The book is trying to to beat into you that you could do that. Like it could be all you need is the right set of circumstances and the right person who's good enough at the con to like, get you. So did yeah. you through reading this? Have you looked back at your life and gone, wow, I totally <laughs> got conned by that person? Um, I've never been conned out of money. Uh, yeah, that's good. So yeah, so so no in that respect, not yet anyway. Um, I'm very stingy with my dollars, <laughs> but uh, and also being thrifty. Also, well, here's the thing: is that, and I'm not even done with this book, by the way. I'm like a quarter into it, but it's talking about how we as human beings have evolved to trust. It's like our base base level is you automatically trust another person because. Off in the wild, like you had to work together or die. Those are kind of the mm-hmm. two options you had. So our our base mode is trust. 
However, <laughs> I was not raised that way. So my my default isn't trust. My default is question everybody and everything. That's just how old my daddy raised me. I don't know mm-hmm. why. But so I think for me, um, and actually it goes into the fact that it, it looks at how even though you would think that being more trusting is a bad thing, it's actually a very good thing. And and my mindset on life is actually very hindering to me. And it's not as beneficial as you might think. It makes more sense for us to trust openly and freely than it does for you to be sort of a cynic like me. Hmm. Um, so, so don't be like me, kids. No, don't do you're, it. you're fine. <laughs> don't be like Stymie. Stymie. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, anyways, that's, that's, that's the first um, book that I picked up that wasn't, uh, wasn't fiction. Yeah, so do you think you'll walk away from this learning to trust more? Is that your goal? I just I just thought it would be fascinating to learn about. Um, so I just picked it. I was like, you know what? I've I always have enjoyed psychology, so I think I actually am going to start picking up more psychology related books. Um, because I, what started was I was interested in in learning after last year. I had a lot of things happen, so I was like, you know what? I actually want to like dive back into subjects that were interesting to me before. So I started listening to this podcast called The Art of Charm, and a lot of what the topics that they cover there are books that are psychology based. Not every podcast is like that, but most are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so started listening to that more and more. And then I just went into a local bookstore the other day and started wandering around. And then instead of sticking to my normal pile, I was like, you know, I'm going to actually wander over to the psychology section, see if anything there pops out at me. This book has like a cute cover on it. <laughs> so I looked at it. I'm not going to lie. I am susceptible to the cute covers. Uh, it's like it's a little it's a wolf in, in a sheep's outfit. No, it's marketing. Um, they yeah. do that for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then I, I just picked it up that way. So awesome. Andrea, cool. what you read? Well, um, so I mentioned it very briefly uh, on last week's show that I am rereading The Wheel of Time. So I got so excited about the recent news that the Wheel of Time TV series adaptation is moving forward with Sony Pictures Television that I decided to go back. So the Wheel of Time is a 14-book monster um, written by Robert Jordan and then finished by uh, Brandon Sanderson. So Robert Jordan um, passed away before the series was completed, but I really think that uh, Sanderson did a fantastic job finishing out the series. Sometimes when you get co-writers or people that, you know, have to finish a series for another author, it can kind of jump the shark a little bit, but this did not. I really was happy with the way it ended up finishing. Um, And so I went back to the beginning. I am reading The Eye of the World, which is book one of the Wheel of Time series. And I just am falling in love with these characters again. And um, I'm really glad that I've done it. Do you two reread books? I've gotten some flack from some people in my life about rereading books. I was like, no, you got to reread them to pick up the details. I reread. I've read the Boxcar Children like 30 times. (laughs) Oh my gosh, classic. I I used to, when I was younger, I would reread. I was also, that was all I did. Like I I played games and I read books and like those are the two main things. Um, so I haven't reread a book in a very long time. That being said, I would like to, I have books here that I, I haven't read in age, uh, the, the dark compass series or no, his dark material series. The golden compass is the first book. Um, is one of my favorite books by Philip Pullman. Uh, and I need to go back and reread them. 
I know that I do because mm-hmm. it's been years. I'm sure that I would like to fall in love with the books again, just like you're talking about Andrea. Um, I just haven't gotten around to doing it. And then I just bought like five new books yesterday. So or not yesterday, but a couple weeks ago. So I'm like, yeah. whoops. Okay, so we're kind of in agreement that rereading is a good thing. So I I decided to go back and especially with a series like this that is so vast um, and the characters go on such an incredible journey from book one to book 14. um, It's really kind of taking me back to a place to see them at the beginning of their story. So the series itself is uh, really centers around three main protagonists even though at, at some point in the series like the number of main characters really kind of balloons to almost an unmanageable amount like game um, of thrones style and, uh, worse i would oh, say oh, okay. uh, but close but there are i think there are more characters introduced just because the series is bigger it's longer sure. yeah um than game of thrones and um so it centers around these three guys rand perrin and matt they're all from this sleepy little town called the two rivers or it's called edmunds field it's in this area of the world called the two rivers and they get attacked by these uh demon type characters called trollocs and um they are kind of thrust out of their little lifestyle tucked away um it kind of it kind of smacks a little bit of um you know the lord of the rings in in that sense that these guys are kind of pulled from their town to go on this epic journey. But, I mean, I wouldn't say that they're – I think that's probably about where the parallels end. And so the whole idea is that the Wheel of Time is this never-ending wheel that continually moves and, like, the ages come and go and – all of the happenings in each of the ages is like destined to repeat itself. And that there is this figure called the dragon that always faces off against like the, the dark evil one, the dark Lord or whatever. Um, uh, Balaz, Balazamon, Balazamon. I think I'm saying his name wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and they always have this epic fight. And then the lead up to the fight is the dragon kind of being discovered in the, in the human world and then rising to power and then ultimately facing off against, uh, the dark one. Hmm. And, um, throughout that story, it's, it kind of weaves this world of both, you know, fantasy creatures and also magic. So there's, this thing called the the one power and in this world only women can channel the one power because the male side of the one power has been tainted by the dark one and so it kind of tells this story about how rand um you know kind of goes on this journey with these friends and how each of them is a integral part of his journey in becoming the dragon reborn and i just I just love it. It's hmm. so rich and so detailed and I can't like it's it's far too vast for me to go into the specifics and nor would you want me to because it would probably be pretty spoilery but it's really neat how they take this kind of crew which includes some you know some really interesting female characters um who I think are really fantastic and the way that the female characters develop is really great as well. It's interesting when you talk about a book series that's so many novels and kind of seeing, knowing where they end up and going back to the beginning and seeing where they were at the very genesis of their story. It's, mm-hmm. There's something really kind of magical about that and kind of revisiting these characters before they know who they're going to become when you know yeah. like this epic destination that awaits them mm-hmm. down the line. 
So it's been great. Like I, I kind of was hesitant about getting started with this series again because it is a slog. It is a very, very long <laughs> fantasy series. And I'll admit there are some books in the middle, like around book like six through eight ish that it kind of gets a little tedious and you're like okay now you're bogging me down with some side characters that i know i'm not going to care about oh yeah um you know yeah. like three books later like i'm not even gonna remember who this person is but um <laughs> it's um one of the all-time greatest fantasy series um of all time i'm very comfortable saying that um and i've already reread patrick rothfuss so i can't go back <laughs> and read him again and i've already reread brandon sanderson's um uh, new books um the latest one being words of radiance so have you read the mists of avalon i have not okay i think you might like it it's basically okay. the story of king arthur but the book is all about the women of that are in that tale so it's all told oh. from their story okay the mists of avalon my the sister avalon, recommended yeah. starting uh terry goodkind i don't know if you've read anything by him mm-hmm but um, that's another pretty big series. But I'm kind of trying to not start another new series because I know that I can always step away from the Wheel of Time whenever I need to because I've already read it. Because I'm really hoping that sometime soon George R. R. Martin's going to talk about when book six is finally coming out. Right. Um, <laughs> for the Song of Ice and Fire. Um, I have reread that series three three times already, but I want to reread it Damn. again in preparation for book six because the I, I don't know if you guys saw the Game of Thrones season seven trailer came out this week. You guys are like, I no, haven't, I'm not interested. I, I, I love Game of Thrones. I just haven't got, I've just been crazy. This week's been insane. I haven't. Had a time. All right. To go well, you're forgiven. After the show, look up the trailer. It's okay. pretty great. Um, but the series, the you know, we can maybe devote a section to talking about um, the Game of Thrones series on a later show. But um, yes. it's really diverted quite a bit from where the novels went, and there are some really interesting characters and storylines happening in the novels that I'm excited to get back to. Things that the series just didn't even talk about. So, um, yeah, it's. Um, it's great. I I love fantasy novels, and sometimes when I tell people that, they look at me like I'm crazy, and I'm like, no, but they're, they're great. They're so great. There's nothing weird about that. <laughs> if, you had to slap a, if you had to slap a rating on the Wheel of Time, what would it be? Like E T M. Oh oh oh! I, I thought you meant like. I would, no, I'd say 10. I'd say T. Uh, there are okay. a few sexual scenes, but like they're so few and far between. It's it's predominantly action based, and like the the violence and like the kind of battle scenes and stuff that happen in that in that series are not too grotesque. Mm. So, but like it's dense. So I'd say like an advanced teen reader could probably get through it, uh, no problem. Um, I was reading at a very young age, so I would never say that it's beyond anyone's skill level. But um, the themes itself, um, I think, are not too mature for, you know, someone even as young as like 12 or 13 to understand. But I'm also not a parent. So like, obviously, parents out there, <laughs> you would need to use your own discretion. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that's what I'm reading. So uh, thanks for sharing with us ladies what you've been reading as well and i think that's probably going to uh wrap it up for us for this week um we have a lot of prep going into the next couple of weeks for three we have some exciting e3 news coming for you guys hopefully next week or the week after about what we will be doing at the show um which is cool uh ladies do you have anything else to add do you want to uh, tell people where they can find you if they want to follow you on the social medias? Ooh. Oh, sure. First, I just want to thank everyone again for their support and amazing words of kindness, just with Patreon and even on social media. We have already, you guys have helped us build such an amazing community already. I'm just blown away 
by how amazing everyone has been. So just let me just get that out there. Plus one Hi. to that. Um, <laughs> find me anywhere on social media, my username, ID, whatever, Blonde Nerd, Twitter.com slash Blonde Nerd, Facebook.com slash Blonde Nerd, YouTube, you get it. Yeah. yeah. I'm Steimer everywhere except Instagram, which I'm K-Steimer at, because some German guy got Steimer four years ago and never uses it. So what a jerk. <laughs> I still like I'm like, I need to meet somebody at Instagram. Help me. <laughs> we'll get we'll get it worked out. Yeah, one day. That's the life goal, um, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I also echo um uh Brit sentiment. Um thank you so much to everybody who helped us reach our second goal on Patreon. We're super excited about that. If you guys want to learn more about our goals and our reward tiers, if you want to help support us on Patreon, that's patreon.com slash what's good games. Um you can also follow us on all of our social media accounts. You can follow me at Andrea Renee. I like Brit and at Andrea Renee at pretty much everywhere. But um you can find out what we're doing on social media and a big thanks to Brit for manning our Facebook page. If you guys are part of our aren't like if you haven't liked us on Facebook yet, please do so. We are uploading some original content there, some videos that you can't see anywhere else, which is kind of cool. So thank you everyone for listening to the show. And if you guys are listening via Google Play or iTunes, um, please, if you wouldn't mind, we'd love it if you drop us a rating. That would really help us out. We'd appreciate um, you know, your feedback. And um, one last thing, if you guys missed our Mario Kart 8 stream on Twitch, uh, please go check it out. It's in our archives at twitch.tv slash what's good games or you can also find it on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash what's good games. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this week. Thanks, everyone. Have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend, and we will catch you next week. 